Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. And we're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. Just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Well, before we jump in tonight, I want to take just a moment uh, just to share my heart with you about next Sunday. Next Sunday, we begin a series called State of the Union. And I honestly believe that this is going to be one of the most significant series in the history of our church. We're going to take six weeks and look from a biblical perspective at what happens when the gospel and the culture intersect. And because that this is such a significant series, I believe this upcoming week is very, very important because as a church, we need to prepare our hearts in order to hear from God together next Sunday. And our pastor has challenged us in a very specific way. He's challenged us to select a day this week to set that time aside and instead of eating food throughout that day, to fast, pray, and prepare our hearts for next Sunday. And I want to challenge you to participate in that. I want to challenge you to accept um, the challenge from our pastor and this week set aside some time to fast, to pray, and to prepare for what God wants to do in and through our church throughout this series. And let me encourage you, go ahead and decide now when that time is going to be this week. Go ahead and decide. It's going to be Tuesday or it's going to be Thursday. Don't wait until Friday or Saturday and try to squeeze it in. I don't believe that is honoring to the Lord. But we're really excited about this series. And I really want to see our church come here next week prepared to hear from God together as we start this new series, State of the Union. So that starts next Sunday. Well, what about today? What are we going to spend our time on this evening as we look at God's Word? Well, today we're going to look at something that I believe is always on the heart of God. But unfortunately, it is not always on our heart as His children. As followers of Jesus, we have been given a message. And it is the greatest message in history. And we are to always look for ways to intentionally and lovingly share the message of the gospel with others. If you have a copy of the Bible tonight, would you look with me in John chapter 1. And in just a moment, I'm going to begin reading in John chapter 1 starting in verse 35. But before I read that text for us this evening, I want to share something with you just to kind of get us all thinking in the same direction 
uh, tonight. I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of my two daughters. This is Scarlett, and she's four, and she is about to demolish this milkshake, <laughs> just so you know. And then this is my daughter, Reagan, and she is one and a half. And I've heard a lot of comments today, and I just want you to know, it's hard having the cutest kids in the church. Like, that's a tough deal. But Shara and I embrace it, and the reality is we have the cutest kids in the church. And it's, that's just what it is. But if you were to follow my wife and I around over the course of a week, you would see a lot of different indicators to let you know that we have two daughters. I'm talking about things like diapers and dolls and cartoons and our living room always looking like a disaster. I mean, you would see dresses and veggie tails and dried up food on absolutely everything that we own. I mean, can I get a witness from anybody who has kids under five? I mean, that's the reality. You would see a lot of things around us and you would say, yep, Travis and Char have two daughters. But in all seriousness, because I have two daughters, my life is different. I spend my time differently. My perspective is different. I invest my resources differently. I spend my energy differently because I am a father to Scarlett and to Reagan. And spiritually, on a much grander scale, because I am a follower of Jesus, my life is different. I spend my time differently. I spend my energy differently. I spend my resources differently. My perspective is different because I have a relationship with Jesus. Because knowing Him means my life has been changed. And we're about to read a section of Scripture from John chapter 1. And in this section of Scripture, we're going to be introduced to a man named Andrew. And here's what we're going to see in Andrew's life. That because he chose to follow Jesus, he was changed. And every aspect of his life was different as a result of it. So in John chapter 1, here's what's going on. There's a man named John the Baptist, and he's teaching to a group of people. And as he's teaching, Jesus Christ is going to walk on the scene. So pick up in verse 35 of John chapter 1. Here's what the scripture says. Again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour, verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, 
which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So what's happening here in this story? Well, what we see in this story is that this man named Andrew has an encounter with Jesus and becomes a follower of Jesus. And immediately after he begins following Jesus, he goes to find his brother Peter. And he tells Peter about Jesus. And when Andrew shares with Peter about Jesus, Peter decides to also follow Jesus. It's an awesome story of the spread of the gospel in this context in the midst of a family. And there's a biblical conclusion in these verses that's kind of the big idea for today that I want to share with you. And this is a phrase that we didn't come up with here at our church. It was actually coined by a church in South Carolina called New Spring. But we thought it was so memorable and so applicable that we want to use it during our time this evening. And here's the biblical conclusion from the story that we just read. Found people find people. Found people find people. You ask, Pastor, what does that mean? Here's what that means. Those who have been rescued and found by the grace of Jesus are called and compelled to find others and lead them to Jesus. That's exactly what we find here in John chapter 1. As soon as Andrew had been found, his immediate reaction was to go and find his brother Peter and bring him to Jesus. You see, it is impossible to walk closely with Jesus and not begin to care about the things that he cares about. As you study the life of Jesus in the Gospels, here's what you see. You see Jesus brokenhearted over lostness. And you see Jesus rejoicing when people are redeemed and rescued by putting their faith in him. James B. Henry said this about Jesus. Throughout the life of Jesus, we see the tremendous love he had for people. A widow whose son was dead. A soldier with a dying daughter, a thief on a cross, a blind man in Jericho, ten lepers, a seeking Pharisee, children on the shores of Galilee. You cannot study the life of Jesus without seeing him involved with an intensity beyond anything we usually practice. Jesus is in the people business. And I believe what is on the heart of Jesus for the peoples of the earth is life change. So what I want to do in our time together this evening is I want to look at two lessons from the life of Andrew that are directly in these verses that you and I can apply tonight during our time together. And here's the first lesson. A relationship with Jesus is life-changing. The first lesson that we learn from Andrew is that a relationship with Jesus is life-changing. When Jesus began his public ministry, the first two people to follow him were John, the author of this gospel that we're reading tonight, and Andrew. 
They decided in the midst of all the messages of their day, the only one that could really change them was the message that was being proclaimed by Jesus Christ. And you know, today, um, we are exposed to a lot of different messages. As you look on social media, or you watch commercials, or you look at billboards, there are numerous messages that are coming at us every single day, and a lot of those messages claim that they can change your life. On any given day, you may hear a message like, you can change your life if you change the way you look. You may hear, you can change your life if you obtain more stuff. You may hear, you can change your life if you change the way you live. But I want to be honest tonight. You can invest all of your time and energy into those things. And you will be left wanting. Because only Jesus Christ can change your life. Joseph Stoll said this. Make no mistake. Jesus is unequaled. He doesn't compete. Every hope, every confidence, every ache in our soul demands Jesus as he claims to be. And as you study the New Testament, you see the significance of the life change that we learn from Jesus. There are five words in the New Testament that are used to describe the life change or the salvation that Jesus brings. Here are the five words. Redemption, justification, forgiveness, adoption, and reconciliation. We learn from the scripture that in Christ we are redeemed by his blood. In Christ, we are justified by faith. In Christ, we experience the forgiveness of sin. In Christ, we are adopted into God's family. And in Christ, we are reconciled back to God the Father. Here's what that means. A relationship with Jesus is life-changing. In the book of 2 Corinthians, the Bible says this, For if any man is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. In Christ, we have a new identity. In Christ, we are citizens of an eternal kingdom. In Christ, we are accepted. In Christ, we are loved. In Christ, we are secure. J.H. Jowett said this, Every preposition seems to have been exhausted by the word of God in emphasizing the necessity of a fundamental relationship with Christ. In Christ, through Christ, by Christ, with Christ, unto Christ, in every conceivable way, Christ is proclaimed as the all-essential. If you believe tonight that a relationship with Jesus is life-changing, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Our natural default is to think that our identity rises and falls based off what we do or don't do. But when we come into a life-changing relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that conversation is over. Because for all eternity, our identity 
is no longer found in what we do. It is found in the person of Jesus Christ. The first lesson we see here from the life of Andrew is that a relationship with Jesus is life-changing. Here's the second lesson that we see. A relationship with Jesus results in new priorities. A relationship with Jesus results in new priorities. In verse 41, we see that Andrew's life had been changed, and he immediately went to share that news with his brother, Peter. As I was studying the text this week, I had this thought. I wonder what was on Andrew's agenda that day. If we could see his iPhone and look at his calendar, what were the things that were on his agenda that day? Well, obviously, Scripture doesn't tell us, but apparently it was not nearly as important as going to find his brother Peter and sharing with him that his life had been changed. John MacArthur said this, The news was too good to keep to himself. So Andrew went and found the one person in the world whom he loved the most, whom he most wanted to know Jesus, and he led him to Christ. I love that. A relationship with Jesus changes our priorities. When Andrew experienced the love of God, the byproduct was a desire to share it with the people in his life. And therein lies a very significant point for us today. You see, God saved us because he loves us. And because he loves the people around us. You see, God not only saved you because he loves you. He saved you because he also loves the people around you. When Andrew came into a relationship with Jesus, he immediately went and shared that with someone in his life whom he cared about. And in this story, Andrew's actions were pretty simple. He shared the truth with someone he knew. Verse 41 says, he went to Peter and said, we found the Messiah. And then in verse 42, he invited him to Jesus. Verse 42 says, he brought him to Jesus. You see, God uses the relationships in our lives to invite others into a relationship with himself. I want you to think for a moment about the people in your life who don't know Christ. God wants to use your relationship with that person in order to invite them to a relationship with himself. There are three stories in the scripture that have Andrew as a primary character. In all three of those stories, Andrew is bringing someone to Jesus. It's awesome. We see this passion in Andrew to lead other people to Christ. So let me ask you a couple questions just to think about tonight. Are you leading others to a relationship with Jesus? As you think about your normal rhythm of life, is that on your radar? When was the last time you brought someone to Jesus? Here's an even more challenging question. When was the last time you tried? 
is this reality of bringing people to Jesus, leveraging the relationships in your life in order to share with them the life-changing message of Jesus, is that on your radar? Because I believe as children of God, it should be. We live in a city where 9 out of 10 people do not have a relationship with God. And if it's true that every Christian knew another Christian before they met Christ, chances are there are many, many people in your life and in my life, and we are the only Christian that they know. Think about that. There are people in your life, and you are the only Christian that they know. And God has placed you there to be a witness for his gospel in order to lead them into a relationship with himself. So, what I want to do to really help us apply this is I want to share with you some practical application as it relates to being found people who find people. I want to give you two ways to apply this directly into your life. And this can start tonight for you. I want these to be easy takeaways. But before I share those, I want, I want you to hear me say this. There are a lot of great programs out there through which we share the gospel. A lot of great ways that you can unpack the truth of Scripture as it relates to the plan of salvation. Some of those we leverage right here within our church. However, we cannot become so fixed on a certain way of sharing the gospel that we lose the sensitivity we're to have to the Holy Spirit of God in any given situation. Something I learned in 2007 that has never left me is this. There is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. But there are a million ways to Jesus. Scripture says in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through the Son. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. But there are a million ways to Jesus. I've seen people come to Jesus in an office complex, at the mall, on the sports field, at Walmart, at the beach. All over the place, people are coming to Jesus. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. But there are a million ways to the Son. So here are two very practical ways. If you and I are going to play a role in leading others to Jesus, what does that look like? Here's, here's the first takeaway for us. You can invite others to a worship service or a small group. One of the ways that you and I can be a part of leading people to Jesus is a simple invitation for them to come to this worship service. We call it our gather time or to your small group. We call that group time. Roy Oswald did a, did a survey several years ago. And he asked the question, how did you connect with a local church? Like, how did you, how did you connect in your local church? And 86% of those surveyed said this. The way I connected in a local church is because of an invitation by a friend or family member. 86% of people, those who were surveyed, said the reason I'm connected to a church is because a friend or a family member said, hey, what would you think about going to church with me? 
That's pretty staggering. That answer trumped advertisement, an invitation from the pastor, or any type of evangelistic program. There is power in a simple invitation. Tom Rainer with Lifeway Research said this, 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they were invited. However, 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in a given year. So 8 out of 10 people who are lost without a relationship with God are saying, hey, if somebody asked me to go to church or to a small group, I'd probably go. Yet, 98% of people who were connected in a church, and this is a national survey, 98% of them never invite another person to a worship service or a small group. We want this environment on Sunday, and we want our small group environments throughout the week to be a place where you can invite someone and know they're going to be valued, and we are going to lovingly share the truth with them. This is an easy way to play a role in leading someone to Jesus. And for that reason, I believe every person in our church should have a stack of invite cards somewhere that are with you all the time. Maybe that's your pocket, maybe that's your wallet, maybe that's your purse, maybe that's your backpack, maybe that's in your car, maybe that's in your office. But you never know when God is going to present an opportunity where you can extend a simple invitation and play a role in seeing someone born again into a relationship with God. As you leave tonight at both the doors, there are going to be some stacks of these invite cards. I want to encourage you just to pick it up and just have it available so that when God creates a moment for you to invite someone to a weekend service or to your small group, you can leverage it with a simple invitation. Here's a second application for us if we're going to play a role in leading people to Jesus. You can invite others to Jesus by sharing your story. You can invite other people to Jesus by sharing your personal story. If you have a relationship with Christ, you have a life change story. You may not feel that way, but you have been born again and transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And that's a miracle. That's transformation. That is life change. And one of the easiest and most powerful ways to share the gospel with another person is by sharing your story. A.W. Pink wrote this about Andrew in his commentary. He said, The privilege of every believer is to tell others of the Savior he has found. For this, no college training is required and no authority from any church need be sought. Not that we despise either of these, but all that is needed to tell a perishing sinner of the Savior is a heart acquaintance with him yourself. It was not that Andrew went forth as a preacher. For that work, he needed training. But he set out to bear simple yet earnest witness of the Savior he had found. I believe for every disciple in our church that we should be able to, in about two minutes, share our life change story. 
we should be able to articulate our life before Jesus, how we met Jesus, and the difference that Jesus has made. That's simple. That in any moment when it comes up, we should be ready as disciples of Christ to articulate our story and share the gospel with others and ask them, invite them into a relationship with Jesus. Now, I know even as I say that, a lot of people begin to have anxiety. And you begin to think, I can't do that. I can't share a polished version of my story. I'm going to mess it up. I know there are tons of excuses. And one of those excuses usually is something like this. If I don't do a good job in sharing the gospel, I'm going to drive someone far away from God. However, the reality is, if they don't know Jesus, they are already far away from God. So you can't mess that up anymore. So please, please, please take that off of your list of excuses. Because if we are really going to follow Jesus with a passion and live in such a way like we have been found by the grace of God, the byproduct of that is we are going to desire to find others and lead them to Jesus. Several years ago, uh, our staff went down to Southern California uh, to a church called Saddleback Church. You probably heard of it. The pastor there is Pastor Rick Warren, uh, very uh, just a global leader, really. And so we went down that day just to hang out with their staff and just share some best practices. And one of the things that we did is we did a tour of their entire campus, which if you've never seen their campus, it's unbelievable. Over 100 acres. It's just a beautiful, beautiful campus. And as we were touring the campus, uh, the person who was walking us around, his name uh, is David. And he walked us up to a building uh, that just didn't look like the rest of the campus. It was portable. Uh, it wasn't finished. It wasn't nice. It didn't have a lot of nice furniture. And one of our team members said, hey, David, this building doesn't really look like it fits on your campus. I mean, everything else is like this certain standard. And this just doesn't look complete to us. And he said, well, actually, there's a really strategic reason for that. Um, our leadership has decided that in the midst of this beautiful campus, we always want something here that is not finished because we never want to lose the pioneer spirit. We never want to assume that the mission is done. We never want to depict to the world that we have arrived. We want to keep in front of ourselves as leaders as well as as a church that the mission has not been finished. Let me ask you a question. When you think about sharing the life-changing message of Jesus with a world that is lost, have you lost the pioneer spirit? Have you been functioning as if the mission is accomplished or we have arrived? Or are you still just as passionate about penetrating lostness in our city and around the world as you were the day you were born again into a relationship with Christ? I want to close tonight by reading a letter. And I believe this letter captures the pioneer spirit 
that you and I are to have as it relates to the gospel. This letter was written by a woman named Karen Watson. She was an IMB missionary to the nation of Iraq. And while she was on the field there, she was actually martyred for her faith. And this is a letter um, that she wrote. um, If she was ever to be killed, then she wanted this letter to be read by her pastors. So she wrote this on March 7th, 2003. She says, Dear Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, her two pastors, you should only be opening this letter in the event of my death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible. My heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place. I was called to Him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory is my reward. In regards to any service, keep it small and simple. And I love this. She said, be bold. And preach the life-saving, life-changing, forever eternal gospel. Give glory and honor to our Father. And then listen to what she said. She said, the missionary heart or the pioneer spirit cares more than some think is wise. Risks more than some think is safe. Dreams more than some think is practical. And expects more than some think is possible. There is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving Him in His care. Karen. I want to highlight one section um, of that letter tonight. Here's what Karen said. A missionary heart. A heart with a pioneer spirit for the sake of the gospel. Cares more than some think is wise. Risks more than some think is safe. Dreams more than some think is practical and expects more than some think is possible. I want to ask you tonight, do you have that heart for people in your life who do not have a relationship with Jesus? Are you as passionate right now about seeing them changed by Jesus as you were the day that you were born again and began following Jesus. I want to ask you a couple questions. Tonight, as we talk about this, who is God putting on your heart? As you think about your circle of influence, who are the people that right now God has put on your heart that you know need Jesus And he's placed you in their life in order to lead them to Jesus. When is the next time you're going to connect with that person? What if you begin praying now for God to open up an opportunity for you to either invite them to a weekend service or your small group, or you were able to share the gospel with them by sharing your story? What a prayer. I believe If we have been found by the grace of God, we are both called and compelled to find others and lead them to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, 
found people find people. Amen? Let me invite you to bow your head tonight. We're going to take some time to respond. As we prepare to stand and sing a song of response in just a few moments, I want to ask you, what is God saying to you tonight? As you think about your life, your journey, your circle of influence, your relationship with Him, what is God saying to you this evening? Maybe you're here tonight and you recognize for the first time that you do not have a life-changing relationship with Jesus. You may have religion. You may have a lot of self-effort. But you know you've never been changed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Tonight, if that's you, I want you to know this. The gospel is simple. The gospel is this. God loves you. He loves you. And he desires a relationship with you. The problem is because of our sin, because of our mistakes, there's no way that we can ever earn a relationship with him. But because he loves us, he sent his son Jesus to the earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never messed up. And he went to the cross as a substitute, as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity. And he was killed there. But on the third day, by the power of God, he was raised back to life, giving him the authority to give life to those who put their faith in him. And scripture teaches us that if we will put our faith in the finished work and life of Jesus, we will be born again and reconciled into a relationship with God the Father. If that's never happened for you, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In just a moment when we stand and sing, we're going to have some pastors here at the front. And if you know that you need Christ tonight, we would love to connect you with a counselor who can show you from the Bible how you can be saved. All you have to say is walk forward and say, I need Jesus. We'd love to share that with you. Maybe you're here and you're a believer and what God's saying to you tonight is that your heart is not in the right place as it relates to sharing the gospel. And what needs to happen for you tonight is you just need to repent and say, God, this has not been a priority for me. I've been distracted. I've been discouraged. I've been busy. But Lord, this needs to become a big deal in my life. Because we live in a city that is 92% lost. Maybe tonight God has put some people on your heart. Someone that you know you want to invite to church or that you need to share the gospel with. And maybe during this time, you just want to pray for them. Maybe you want to come and get on your knees at this altar and just intercede on their behalf and beg God to draw those people to him. Maybe in your life right now, there's a financial, relational, physical need. And you just want a pastor to pray for you. Listen, that's why we're here during this time. We'd be honored to pray for you. In these moments, may we respond 
to what God is saying. So Lord, we're listening to you tonight. I pray all over this room that people are responding to your voice. God, give us grace to respond in obedience. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray.